you can remain standing, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your anointing here today. Help me say what it is you'd have me to say. Anoint the ears of the people to hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying to them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel, the third chapter, if you would, and the 16th verse. Ezekiel, the third chapter. And the 16th verse. Ezekiel, of course, was a prophet in the Old Testament, a man of God. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood... I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Titling this message today, by asking you a question and asking a question really of all of us, is there blood on our hands? Is there blood on our hands? Is there blood on your hands? Is there blood on your hands? Ezekiel was told by God to warn the wicked. But if he refused to warn them, and they died without repenting, God told Ezekiel that the blood of those he refused to warn would be required at his hand, or on his hands. In other words, Ezekiel would be held responsible before God and accountable for those that he failed to warn, and as a result, They didn't hear the message. They didn't repent and they wound up in hell. And God was holding Ezekiel accountable. Now I do not know the extent of all that it means to have someone's blood on your hands. But I am confident That Ezekiel would not have lost his salvation over refusing to warn. That I'm sure of. But there is a cost. And there is punishment of some sort. For refusing or being neglectful. To warn the wicked. 
I preach this message today not to instill guilt upon anyone. But rather I preach this message today with the heartfelt prayer that godly fear would fall upon you and upon all of us who do not share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's through refusal, which is unlikely in most cases, however, neglect is another thing. But whether you refuse to share or whether you neglect to share, and the same goes for me, we're guilty before God nonetheless and will be held accountable. For anyone that is not warned that we could have warned and they wind up in hell as a result. Ezekiel was told in verse 19, he said, Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. It should be noted that it is not our responsibility to cause the sinner to repent. But it is our responsibility to warn them. To warn them that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And that it can only be done, of course, through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we warn them and they don't repent and they wind up in hell, God is clear on this. He says, then we are not responsible And he says, but you've delivered your soul. And what all that means, I don't know. I will say just a little more on that in a moment. Now, one might say this commission was only to the prophet Ezekiel. About blood on his hands. But if you turn to Acts, the 18th chapter... And the fourth verse, Paul, the apostle, is ministering at Corinth. And notice in Acts 18.4, the Bible says, He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed... He shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. Why could Paul say, I am clean? Because you see, he warned them. He shared the message. He said what God told him to say. He shared the gospel with them. That was his responsibility. It wasn't his responsibility to get them to repent and believe. It was his responsibility to tell them. And he told them. And they refused to repent. And so he said, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. And then he said, from now on I'll go to the Gentiles If Paul had not have shared with them, then their blood would have been on his hands. But he did share, so he was able to say, I am clean. 
Now, it's not the only time that he said this. He was ministering at Ephesus in Acts, the 20th chapter, and the 17th verse. In Acts, the 20th chapter, and the 17th verse, he was ministering at Ephesus. And notice he says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they'd come to him, he said to them, you know, Now listen to this. You know that from the first day I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Now watch this. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Now, notice what he, what he testified to them. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he told them. He told them they needed to repent. And they needed to place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you skip down to verse 26, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent. Notice this. I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why? Because verse 27 says, For I have not shunned to declare to you, the whole counsel of God. Why was he able to say, I'm innocent of the blood of all men? Because he did not neglect to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. Had he neglected to do so, had he refused to do so, then everyone that he could have reached but didn't, whether it be through refusal or neglect, Those people's blood would be upon his hands. But because he did share the gospel, those that didn't repent and wind up in hell, he's clean of their blood. Their blood's not on his hands. Do you see that? And then he made a quite interesting statement, 1 Corinthians 9, 16. 1 Corinthians 9.16 He said, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. That word woe in the Bible is a very awesome word. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful word. Most don't understand the fullness of it. But it, it has to do with the judgment of God. Woe. To me if I do not preach the gospel. The message Bible. And it will be on the screen if you don't have that, that version or that translation. But notice what he says in the, how, how the message puts it. If I proclaim the message. It, it's talking about the gospel. It's not to get something out of it for myself. I'm compelled to do it. And notice this. And doomed if I don't. Doomed if I don't. Now, from my study of the Word of God, as I said just moments ago, if Paul had refused to preach the gospel to other people and warn them about hell, and if he had refused to do that, whether refused to do it or neglected to do it, same thing with Ezekiel, same thing with you or me, 
I do not believe for one second that our punishment will be a sentence to hell. I, I, don't, I don't see that in the word of God. But what it means to have someone's blood on your hands because you could have warned them and you didn't because you either refused or you neglected. You have their blood. They wind up in hell because you refused or neglected to share Jesus with them. That blood is on your hands and we will be held responsible before God for that. We will be held accountable for that. Though our sentence, I'm convinced, will not be to hell itself. We will pay an awesome price for it before the judgment seat of Christ. When we stand there one day and, 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 and works are burned to smithereens and we stand before God ashamed and held accountable for people that we could have shared Jesus with but didn't. And they wind up in hell. No, I'm not here to lay blame, uh, uh, guilt upon anyone. I want to make that clear. No, I'm not here today sent from the presence of God to lay guilt upon anyone, but rather fear. I want to lay the fear of God upon you and upon me and upon all of us. And I'm going to tell you what, that's a whole lot more awesome than guilt. Every one of us should tremble in our boots. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Of the living God. Soul winning is the most important thing that any of us could ever do. Somebody talked about the Great Commission. No, it's not the Great Commission going into all the world. It's the only commission. It's the most important thing that we could ever do. You know, sometimes I get around ministers and they'll talk about what they're called to do, whether it's to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. But you know what? All of that doesn't mean anything if you're not first a soul winner. Did you hear what I just said? Soul winning is the only thing. It's what it's what should motivate us to get out of bed in the morning, you see. But all too few Christians participate in it. And Paul said, woe is me. What does it mean to have the blood of someone on your hands? I don't fully know. I don't know. I don't know what all it means. But I know it's a, it's, it, it's a woe. It's a woe. He said, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One might still say, well, Pastor Terry, wait a minute. That was for Ezekiel. He was a prophet of God called to the house of Israel. And that was for Paul. He was an apostle. Called to the Gentiles. I'm just, I'm just a Christian. I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Mark the 16th chapter and the 15th verse. I've already alluded to it. Somebody said, you know, Pastor, I didn't come to church today to listen to this kind of message. I can't, I wanted to be lifted up. I wanted to be, I wanted to be encouraged. I wanted to be lifted up. I'm telling you, I came from the presence of God with a message from Almighty God that you and I need to hear. Can you say amen? Amen. I didn't come here today to tickle your fancy. I came today to wake all of us up that the first and foremost thing that we must be is soul winners. Can you say amen? amen? If you want, by the anointing of God, if you want somebody to tickle your fancy, this church is full of pulpits that will tickle your fancy. But I've come from the presence of Almighty God to say, is there blood on your hands? Whew. 
Yes, Ezekiel was called to the house of Israel. Paul was called to the Gentiles. But there's a calling on your life and a calling on my life. People want to say, Pastor, what are you? Are you a pastor? What are you? Are you a teacher? What are you? Are you a prophet? What are you? I'll tell you this much. I'm a soul winner. Can you say amen? Soul winner first. If we're not soul winners first, it doesn't give her... I don't care a rip what you are if you're not a soul winner first. Did you hear me? And we will all give account before, I'm talking about every Christian will give account before the judgment seat of Christ. And I believe without any doubt, as I've studied the Bible for some 35 years, I believe the first thing that's going to come up at the judgment seat of Christ, when Christians stand before God, not a heaven-hell issue. You see, Jesus bore our sin at Calvary, and when we repent and we place our faith in Him, we get saved, we get born again, we become a Christian, we're going to miss hell, we're going to make heaven. That's a done deal. Can you say amen? But the Bible talks about another judgment. It's not the great white throne judgment, which is a judgment for sinners. It's the, it's the judgment seat of Christ, where every Christian will stand before God and bow their knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account. And in that hour, I'm convinced that the very first thing that comes up is what did you do with the gospel? Who did you share it with? Who did you not share it with? Why didn't you share it? Were you uh, refusing? Were you neglecting? What was it? Why didn't you share? There's people in hell because you could have shared the gospel, but you did. I believe that's the first thing that's going to come up. And I believe there'll be blood on many of our hands. And I believe many people's, I'm talking Christians, works will be burned. The Bible says we'll suffer loss, but we ourselves will be saved, yet so as through the fire of the judgment of God. But I don't want to stand before God with blood on my hands. How about you? I sense the anointing this morning. I've preached under the anointing for some 25 plus years now. But I've never sensed an anointing quite like this. It's it's more urgent than any anointing I've ever sensed in all of my life. I've preached like this many times. The power of God's hit me many times. But I'm here from the presence of God to ask you a question. Is there blood on your hands? It ought to be quiet in the house of God at a time like this. Everyone should be pondering, wondering, who could I have shared Jesus with? And I didn't. Why didn't I? And in many cases, it's not too late. You could still get the gospel out to that person. That's why you're here today and that's why I'm here today. Is there somebody that you could have reached that you haven't reached, but they're still alive on the earth and you could still reach out to them? Yes, Ezekiel was called to the house of Israel, Paul to the Gentiles. But notice what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15. He said to his disciples, who was a representative group of you and I, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or every person. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. 
He who does not believe will be condemned. But what is the commission? This is known as the Great Commission, but as I said a moment ago, it's the only commission, dear friends. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But it's interesting, if you turn over to the book of Acts, the first chapter and the eighth verse... Luke, who was used to write the book of Acts, gives us a little more on what Jesus said here. Notice in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice what he said here, You shall be witnesses unto me. He was talking about people receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He was talking to Christians. They were already born again. They already had the Holy Ghost in them. They were already born of the Spirit of God. But he said, you'll be baptized with the Spirit. And then you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. What does that have to do with anything? That was right where they were. That was where they were at, you see. You start being a soul winner right where you are. Right where you're at. There's so many that I've met over the years. They think they have to go to China. Or they have to go to Africa. Or some faraway land to be a soul winner. But no, your mission works. Your mission work is once you drive off this property. There's a sign right out there that says now entering the mission field. And you see you start right where you are. So many want to win the lost in in Mozambique. But they haven't even gone across the street. If God can't use you to minister across the street to your neighbors, he's not going to be able to use you in Mozambique. If you can't minister, again, I'm not here to lay guilt on anyone. I'm here to put the fear of God in you. If you can't minister to someone at Walmart, how are you going to do it in Africa? Did you hear me? I know this is strong today. I know this is powerful. But when you come from the presence of God with a message, that's the way it comes across. I didn't come from a coffee clutch. I've been spending some extra time with God. I didn't come from a donut service. I didn't come from from fantasy football. I've come from the presence of God. This is what's on his mind, first and foremost, above above everything else, is soul winning. Soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. We ought to be consumed with it, dear friends. Jesus bled and died and gave his life on Calvary. And then he turned the assignment of preaching that message to the world over to his church. And we are his plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B, a plan C, or a plan D. Only plan A, and that is the church going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Did you hear what I just said? You know, it's sad, but this kind of preaching today, I wouldn't get invited to preach at some of the most largest, biggest conventions in the land. They wouldn't have me in. And that's sad, isn't it? Because I'm not tickling anybody's fancy. I'm not entertaining you or telling you a joke. 
or making you feel all oogie-doogie-woogie about yourself. My God, we don't need preachers to make congregations feel oogie-googie-woogie about them. So we need preachers sent. I tell you, you get a preacher sent from the presence of God, it'll make a Christian that's not a soul winner and that's not been doing what they should be doing. It'll make, it'll make Christians like that uh, uh, nervous in their seats. That's what a man of God does. A man of God doesn't make you feel comfortable unless everything is right in your life. If something's not right in your life, a man of God, a woman of God, stands up and makes you nervous and uncomfortable. That's a call of God on somebody's life. Did you hear what I just said? You shall receive power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me where? In Jerusalem, that's right where you are. Start where you're at. That's right where they were. And then in Judea, that goes out a little bit further. And then Samaria goes out a little bit further. And then ultimately to the utter parts of the earth. You see, our responsibility begins at home. Then to those we come in contact with in our everyday life. And then it reaches out to the world. That's one reason that we provide you with these tracts to share and give out in your daily life. And then, of course, we have Mission Sunday where you're able to give finances into our missions program where we send out. We've helped so many around the world. It's important to be involved in soul winning, dear friends. I remember years ago, I was in the 12th grade, Eureka High School, and I had been born again as a young boy, but I had kind of gotten away from the things of God, but then around about, when I say away from... I wasn't really living close to God as I should. But along about the 10th grade, somewhere in there, I I got back on fire for the Lord. Everywhere I went, I told people about the Lord Jesus Christ. People made fun of me. People laughed at me. Etc., so on and so forth. Welcome to being a soul winner. Some listened to what I had to say, but so many did not. I remember as a 12th grade boy, one night I had a dream. Of course, I think all of us have crazy, nutty dreams. But this wasn't one of those crazy, nutty dreams. But this dream was given me by the Lord. I remember... Standing at the gates of hell. And I saw, as it were, 
some of my classmates. And I, I couldn't call them by name, but I knew by the Spirit, and I don't know all, uh, I didn't know all then what I know now about the Word of God, but I knew that some of them were my classmates, some of them. And I remember as they were brought by, as I stood there and I watched, I remember they turned and they looked at me and they gnashed their teeth. I didn't even know that scripture was in the Bible at that time. Be weeping, gnashing of teeth. And they wept and they wailed and they cried and they gnashed their teeth. And they cried out and they said this to me and I'll never forget it. They cried and, and I... If, if I could do it the way that I saw it and heard it in the dream, it would, it, would, it, would, it would put the hair up on the back of your neck. But I remember them with gnashed teeth, gnawing on their tongues, saying, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you inconvenience me? Why didn't you come and wake me up in the midnight hour and inconvenience me and tell me about Jesus? Because you see, there were some that I hadn't told. Because I was tired of being made fun of. I was tired of being the laughing stock. And so there were some that I just, I'm not even going to go share the gospel with them. And I'll never forget, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you wake me up in the midnight hour? Why didn't you inconvenience me and tell me about Jesus? And I saw them being ushered into the regions of the demons. So years came and went. And we began this church. And there was a certain girl from high school who was attending here at that time. And she can I told that story. I seldom share this, but it fits in right here, so I shared it. And she came up after the service and she said, Pastor Terry, why don't we do something about that? And I said, let's do it. And so I preached a message the next couple Sundays. I preached a very simple message on the gospel and how to be saved. And she did... All the work, she got all, she did everything she could, and she got all the names of our high school classmates from the class of 1981. And we got every one of them that we could, and there was a bunch of them. She, she did all the work. She got them, and we sent that tape out. It was a t- cassette tape in that hour, and we sent it out. I believe it was a cassette tape. It was either that or just the early days of the CDs. But we sent the message out to every one of them. And their blood now is not on my hands. Because I told them. I remember... Another man 
that was in the periphery of my life as I grew up. Do you know what I mean when I say in the periphery? See him a couple of times a year, give or take. Not real close with the individual, but someone that I did love. And I remember when we built this church. I ran into him. And I'll never forget the words that he said to me. He said, you don't ever have to look for me to ever walk in your church. Because you'll never see me there. And he was right. I never did. I've got more respect for that man. At least he told me the truth. Than a lot of these lying Christians that say we'll see you next Sunday. Or we'll see you next time. And you don't ever see him. That was pretty strong too, wasn't it? Don't ever look for me to be there. I'll never be there. Years came and went. call came that the individual was in the hospital. Nowadays, hospital uh, times in the hospital aren't as long as they used to be. People generally aren't in the hospital, typically extended lengths of time, typically. A couple of days came and went, individuals still in the hospital. Began to pray. I had prayed originally, but then as time went on, I got more serious about it. And I went before the Lord and prayed. And and you could see, I could see. A lot of times when you say this, people don't know what you're talking about. But you get over in the spirit, I could see he's going to die. He doesn't have long to live. So I went to the hospital. To see him. When I walked in the room, I'm not sure to this day if he was glad I came or not. I felt impressed of the Lord that I was supposed to go in there and tell him that he wasn't going to live much longer and tell him about Jesus. I walked into the room and 
So I walked in there, I we greeted one another, and I we began to talk. And he began to tell me, you know, after we did the preliminaries, you know, greeting and all of that, he began to tell me the diagnosis of what the doctors had told him and said that the doctors are saying that he's going to make a full recovery. And that he was going to be fine. That's not what the Spirit of God had said to me. But I can miss it. So we went on with our conversation. Thinking that I'd missed it. Thinking that as the years would come and go that I would be able to see him at some future time. And somewhere in there I would get to share Jesus with him. And so we said our goodbyes, you know, and he was going to be going home in the next couple of days or whatever. Thinking that I would see him again in the periphery of my life and that I'd have plenty of time to share Jesus with him. I remember as I walked out of that hospital down to my car. The prompting of the Holy Ghost to go back. Continued on in my car and the prompting of the Spirit of God to go back to the room. I got in my car and as I drove out, the prompting of the Holy Ghost to go back. But he told me that the doctors had said he was going to be fine. Make a full recovery. And that he'd be in the periphery of my life and I'd see him again down the road and I'd have that opportunity. I never had the chance to talk to him again. That was the last time. And in about a year's time, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs>
Thought many times since that day about that. There's one thing I could do in my life over again. I wish I could get back to that day, and I wish I could walk into that room all over again or I wish I had gone back up after I'd left but I can't I can't and I've thought if only I had went in there and told him that he didn't have much longer to live. Maybe somehow or another that supernatural word in the process of time would have changed him. But you know what? If I could go back and do that day over again... I wouldn't have said a word to him about that he didn't have much longer to live. Because I've learned that those supernatural things, for the most part, don't change people. But what I would have done is I would have told him about Jesus. Because you can never go wrong telling somebody about Jesus. I said you can never go wrong telling Somebody about Jesus. I said you can never go wrong telling somebody about Jesus. I said you can never go wrong telling somebody about Jesus. I thought somehow if I'd have told him the supernatural side of it, you know, that he was going to die. That may not have even fazed him. But I should have told him about Jesus. In the process of time, before he died, 
Somebody said, why didn't you go to him? I didn't have, I didn't have access to him. I, didn't ha- I, I, I couldn't get to him. That hospital visit was my last time. That's what somebody might ask. Why didn't you go? Why didn't you go? Why didn't you go? I didn't have access to him. Just take it from me. Did pray for him. Did pull down the spiritual blindness and did ask God to send the perfect laborer. And there is a chance that maybe he did get saved. Maybe he did. All I was able to do after that was pray. And as I said, pull down the spiritual blindness that the devil blinds people with and ask God to send the perfect laborer. And maybe he did. Maybe as he was coming down the stretch facing death, maybe he did repent and give his heart to Jesus. I I, I don't know. But I do know this, that if he went to hell, his blood is on my hands. And I understand a little bit about what God said to Ezekiel when he said that if you tell the wicked to repent and they don't, at least you've delivered your soul. I don't know all what that means, but I can tell you just a little bit because, as you can see, it bothers me and troubles my soul to this very hour. You need to understand this as I close this message. As we share the gospel with people, we may not see everybody that we share the gospel with get saved. But we all, we are, let me put it this way, we may not be the laborer that prays the prayer with them for them to get saved. But we are all Seed planters. The word is likened unto seed. We are all seed planters. Do you have any idea what I just said to you there? The Apostle Paul said, Him and Apollos, one planted, one watered. Of course, God gives the increase. We are all seed planters. I can think of two people, and I'll close with this, two people. One was a, a girl that I'd shared Jesus with for years. And on the subject, it was like talking to a refrigerator. Just cold, callous, nothing. But I continued to just lovingly share Jesus over the years. And one day, the report came to me that she had gotten saved. Can you say amen? See, I didn't pray the prayer with her, but I I'd, I'd, I'd planted seed for years. And then perhaps the greatest one of all in my life was a man that I'd shared Jesus with 
for years and years and years. I'll call his name is Gary Grogan. And I tell him about Jesus, a high school student. He was like a father to me. When my dad passed away when I was seven, he was there for my mom and I and took care of us, helped us. Him and his wife, they lived next door. And he was like a big brother and like a father to me. I shared Jesus with him for years and years. It's like talking to a refrigerator, cold and callous on the subject. I remember when we were at Ramah, attending Bible school, I sent him a letter thanking him for all he'd done for me. And in that letter, I told him about Jesus, but still... Nothing. One day I was at my mom's house. The phone rang and she answered it. It was Gary Grogan. He said, my mom said he wants to talk to you. So I go over to the phone. I take the phone. He said, Terry, this is Gary Grogan. See, yeah, I know who you are. I hadn't seen him in a while. I said, of course I know who you are. He said, you need to sit down. I've got to tell you something. There's a bed there. Phone. And he said, are you sit, sitting down? I said, yeah. He said, I want to tell you I got saved. I received Jesus. I didn't get to pray the sinner's prayer with him. Somebody else did. Think about all the years I planted seed. Why did I share these stories with you at the end? Because there may be some people in your life that you haven't told about the Lord. You haven't told them about the Lord. But it's still not too late. And I want to encourage you. The tears in my eyes. God loves people. He loves people. Dear friends, I'm not going to apologize for the boldness that was on me a while ago. That was there by the hand of God. That's what happens to people sometimes when the hand of God comes on them, preachers. They get bold. But see, now that anointing has changed and there's tears in my eyes. The anointing on me is the heartbeat of God. He loves people. He's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. But the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear, talking about the lost, if you don't go tell them?
It's not just the preacher's responsibility. It's not just the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the minister. It's all of our business. Soul winning is our business. You may never pray the sinner's prayer with the person you're thinking about right now, but you keep planting the seed. But if there be anybody in your life that you haven't shared Jesus with, you've had the opportunity, you, you could do it. And for whatever reason you haven't, I want to encourage you to do it. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. And Jesus has made us fishers of men. I beg you. I plead with you, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, I want you to do it before you leave here today. And if you're here today and you've, you've, you're born again, you've received Jesus, but you've never shared Him with anybody else, or there's people that you should have, you should have shared Him with, I beg you to do it. I plead, I beg you to do it. I don't want word to come to you that they've died and you could have shared the Lord with them and you didn't and that blood be on your hands. Give out those gospel tracts. You never know where those wind up. Send a letter to somebody or an email or a text or a Facebook. Invite somebody to church to hear the gospel. You'll be glad you did. Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just bow your heads there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's an awesome time in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are here today and you've never repented of your sins, what does it mean to repent? Just have a change of heart and say, I'm going to turn and go a different direction. I'm not going to live this life of sin anymore. I'm going to live for God. That's what it means to repent. Have a change of heart, change of mind. And then if you've never done that, I want, I want you to do that today. Repent and, and, and invite Jesus into your life, into your heart. How do you do that? Well, when we dismiss here in just moments, just come up here to the front. There'll be some people up here, and they'll pray with you. And they'll lead you in a prayer, and you'll invite Jesus in, into your heart. You'll get saved, you'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and he'll make your life worth living. And if you're here today and you're unsaved, and you don't come... And you're to die before you repent. Your blood's not on my hands. Because we gave you the opportunity. We gave you the warning. And I've also planted seed. But remember with salvation. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Where salvation is concerned. No one's promised to tomorrow. Now is the accepted time. You may not have another chance. So if you need to do that, when I dismiss here in just minutes, seconds, you come up to the front.
and get with one of these nice people. If, 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 you, if you can't answer the question, you know, where am I going to go when I die? If you don't know, if, you, if your question marks in your mind on that, you need to come up. But you need to have what I call a know-so experience. Know, know that you're saved. And if you're saved, there'll be a witness on the inside of you. You'll know that you're saved. If there's, if there's question marks on, on the inside of you, then you need to come up. The rest of you, I want you to make a commitment. And I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that you'd give these people as they make a commitment to go out and share Jesus. That you'd embolden them and give them strength and may the power of the Holy Ghost rise up upon them. And that they would be mighty soul winners. As we move out in time. In Jesus' name. Now I declare as we move forward in this next week, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Though a thousand fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, destruction will not come nigh us. Hallelujah. Now, I trust you'll take something from this service for good. Let the Spirit of God work on your heart with this. We're going to break for a few minutes. We're going to come back and pray. Listen, if this country goes under... God's holding the church responsible. Did you hear what I just said? If this country goes under, God's holding the church responsible.